I would like to acknowledge and express my gratitude to the traditional owners of the land that I recorded this podcast on, the Wajak Noongar people, and pay my respects to Elders past, present and emerging and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures. Hi there, welcome to MediTalk, a medical podcast talking all things medical in a way that you can understand. You're with Danae. Are you thinking of having cataract or eyelid surgery? Well, this is the episode for you. Today on MediTalk, we speak with consultant ophthalmologist, Dr. Olivia McVie, who very kindly answers common questions that may be on your mind when considering or preparing for cataract or eyelid surgery. Dr. McVie consults and operates from St. John of God Hospital in Subiaco. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? What led you to become an ophthalmologist? Yes, sure. So I am Perth born and bred and um, I'm a graduate of the University of Western Australia, which is where I did my medical medical degree. Um, in terms of wanting to become an ophthalmologist, it wasn't actually something I realised until a bit later in my um, uh, sort of sphere in medical school. I had a couple of very interesting mentors uh, in fourth year, which was when we got our first introduction to ophthalmology and uh, they were very inspiring and uh, showed me cataract surgery and how to look into the back of one's eye and I found this very fascinating. Um, But it wasn't until a little bit later after I finished medicine and spent a couple of years in the UK, uh, back then it was quite popular for junior doctors to head over there and, uh, and likewise the British doctors came out to Australia for a couple of years and it was then that I actually had my first experience working as an ophthalmology senior house officer and it was that point in time that I thought actually I really like this and I'm going to give it a go Um, and I worked very hard towards building up my CV to uh, gain entry as it's quite a competitive specialty and I finally got my training post so I came back to Perth um, to complete my training And then at the end of that, I decided to do uh, some extra fellowship training. So I ended up back in the UK um, and I ended up subspecialising in oculoplastic surgery or conditions of the eyelid. Uh, And I also did some extra training with the Fred Hollows Foundation. I was reading that. That's fascinating. Yeah, yeah, it it was amazing, actually. I was very lucky to have been selected for their fellowship and I was um, the second ever Fred Hollows Fellow and that took me to Nepal, uh, Vietnam and Alice Springs. So it was a really incredible experience. Yes. And was um, how how long were you doing that work for? So that fellowship was six months. So that's what I did straight after my training. So um, straight after finishing off my exams, I landed in Kathmandu um, and worked at the Tilganga Eye Hospital and learnt essentially how they managed their um, sort of, I suppose, remote um, eye problems in a country like that where access is so difficult um, when you live outside of the city. But it was pretty much all about addressing the cataract burden and um, and how they went about that. And uh, the surgery uh, that they do is quite different to what we do sort of in a first world country. But um, yeah, it was really interesting to see how they perfected their techniques and very interesting for, for me as a, I guess, you know, first world ophthalmologist to learn um, the techniques that they use for removing cataracts essentially in the outback and mm. in places like that. So, yeah, really, really um, improved my skills as a surgeon. So. Did it inspire you? Oh, yeah, it was It was just incredible. I was so inspired by the consultant ophthalmologists over there 
um, and the actual skill base they had and the fact that they were able to take their skills to somewhere so remote and set up a mobile operating theatre uh, with very little resources. And, yeah, incredible to see, you know, they, they really churned through large numbers of cataracts every day mm. and the patients would just come from far and wide. Some of them had to walk for two days just to get to the camp wow. um, to have their cataract surgery done and, uh, yeah. And then life-changing for them. So Absolutely. they've been yeah. sort of tolerating all, you know, these cataracts, yeah. not being able to yeah. see and well, that's it. A yeah. lot of these people were actually blind from their cataracts, which just doesn't happen here in, in Australia or the Western, you know, first world. So, yeah. yeah. We take so much for granted, don't yeah, we? we do. We do. So what other... So you treat cataracts, but also you were talking about eyelid conditions. Can you yeah. talk a little bit more about those yeah. conditions that you treat? Yeah, sure. So the eyelid conditions mainly consist of... Um, Eyelid malpositions, so these are essentially called ectropians and entropians, where the eyelid is either turned inwards, where the eyelashes rub on the eye, which is a painful condition, or the the opposite, where the eyelid rolls outwards and then you end up getting a sore red eye from exposure sort of problems. So surgery works really well for these conditions. And um, Are you born with those conditions? You or? can be, but most of them are acquired. So most of them are actually ageing changes and laxity of tendons, which cause eyelid instability so it's it's mainly about tightening up tendons and reattaching the sort of small muscles around the eyelid to gain back a normal eyelid position um, in, in order for the eye to be properly protected by the eyelids. Is it something you were saying that might happen with age or? Yeah yeah it's generally we call it involutional so it's generally an aging change problem um, however I do do a fair bit of work at the children's hospital and do paediatric eyelid problems as well and you can end up well, you can be born with some of these conditions. They are different in nature as to sort of how they're caused, but similar uh, in terms of the function and discomfort for the actual eye and seeing. What are the eye conditions that you can have surgery for now? Yeah, so look, um, I suppose the biggest one is cataracts. Um, and these days, because the technology has come such a long way, it's actually not a major surgery at all. Um, these days it's actually a 10 to 20 minute surgery and it's all done under a local anaesthetic with a twilight sedation. Um, when I tell my patients this, I can see the look of anxiety in their, in their eyes, but um, I, I try to reassure them that in actual fact, um, it's going to be one of the easiest things that you've been through. Um, Will they feel anything or not? Not at all. They're anaesthetised. That's right, not at all. So amazingly, we can actually anaesthetise the eye with simply eye drops or a small injection on the surface sort of skin of the eye, um, which doesn't hurt. And generally, the vast majority of patients, I would say 99%, don't feel anything during the surgery at all. Is it because, I mean, I'm just trying to picture it myself because I haven't had eye surgery, but touch wood, but may or may not happen in the future, but how do you keep your eyes open the whole time yeah. and they're anaesthetised and you can't blink? Is that, <laughs> I mean, that's probably something that people yeah, ask. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we use a little speculum or I call it a spring. So it basically just sits between the top and the bottom eyelid. It's completely comfortable, um, but it keeps the eye open. So no one needs to make any particular effort in um, during that 10 minutes when they're having their eye surgery. So the eye is nice and open. Uh, we cover 
cover the whole patient except for the eye. So it's just the eye that's exposed. Um, there's a little oxygen sort of, we call it an oxygen tunnel that sits on the patient's chest that blows fresh air sort of up at them underneath the drape. Um, but yeah, it's generally a completely comfortable experience. I think the other people that, uh, the other thing that people worry about is the prospect of being awake um, yes. during their surgery because we don't tend to do any general anaesthetics these days just because they're not really needed. So um, patients get what we call a twilight sedation. So essentially it means that they're not aware of the surgery happening around them and in most cases they won't remember anything the next day of having had so the surgery. So they're not going to see you with your... Exactly. instruments above yeah. them freaking out going what is she That's doing right. no it, it's a scary thought yes. and that is a very common uh, I think fear amongst yes. patients but no you you don't see anything I've not had one patient tell me that they've seen anything coming towards their eye yes. um, the thing that people do commonly see is colours lots of colours so people mm. sometimes describe it like a kaleidoscope of colours so it, it sounds like quite a pleasant experience actually from in terms of what people see during the surgery yeah because yeah. I could imagine not knowing that or hearing through friends that they're going to be awake the whole time mm. probably has put them off from having yeah, a procedure for definitely. some time. Yeah, definitely. I think um, the fact that eyes are so precious mm. um, and I think if someone does have a, a negative experience um, and they hear about it, it, it does sometimes put people off having the surgery. But I think having a negative experience is just so rare nowadays because the technology and the way that things are done uh, actually just makes it a pretty smooth um, operation. 99 times out of 100, everything goes to plan. And um, the surgery in terms of the outcomes are generally very good these days. So, um, yeah, I usually try and reassure people that if they have heard of someone that's had a negative experience that it would be not the norm it's it's very very rare nowadays um and then I think sometimes these experiences are also very subjective so I think try not to let that put people off and it does seem to be the people that have heard from other um sources friends neighbors um, relatives who have had a positive experience that are much more sort of willing to to give come and yeah to yeah. give it a go but um and it's probably one of those procedures that you spend more time leading up to having the surgery or the prep part or coming into the hospital versus the actual procedure time. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Um, the procedure time itself is very quick, so it's it's pretty much generally um, over before you know it, but it is the prep time. So when you come in, there's lots of checking. So you'll be asked your name about 100 times on the morning and then, um, yes, yeah, afterwards before you go home as well. But, um, yeah, the actual theatre time is, is very, very fast. So what's the prep? difference between having your cataracts done and then if I was to come to see you for any sort of eyelid surgery. Yeah, so um, generally the prep before cataract surgery is not very onerous at all. Um, it, it's more just making sure that if you have any general medical conditions that they're optimised, such as your blood sugar levels if you're a diabetic, um, if you're on anticoagulants or have any sort of blood pressure or heart problems, that everything's optimised and, and that those sorts of conditions are controlled. Um, but as far as anything sort of specific prep for the eye prior to cataract surgery, um, there's not really anything that needs to be considered um, in, in terms of having blood thinners and that sort of thing, um, 
for cataract surgery, in most cases, we, these don't need to be stopped. Okay. Yeah. And what about eyelid surgery? Yeah, eyelid surgery is a little different. So um, I generally like people to stop any blood thinners, if at all possible. Um, rarely you will find people that are not able to stop their blood thinners because of uh, more risky conditions such as cardiac stents and uh, this sort of thing where the risk of stopping a blood thinners is greater. Um, in, in some cases, we can still proceed with surgery but take extra precautions. Um, but, but that's the main thing before eyelid surgery is really just considering what blood thinners people are on and stopping them in a timely fashion. So things like aspirin and clopidogrel, I generally like those stopped a couple of weeks prior to surgery. Uh, things like Xarelto, Eliquis, uh, Prodaxa, they're the more modern blood thinners. They can usually be stopped two to three days prior to surgery and then commenced uh, straight afterwards. So not having um, any makeup on and things like that yeah. if you're that's you know, right. yeah. eyelash extensions, which yeah. are very um, popular. popular nowadays. <laughs> um, would that be a, a complete no-no um, as well for preferably, those surgeries? Yes, absolutely. So, so don't turn up to um, having your eyelid surgery with makeup on. Yeah. Um, we usually just like people to wash their face and eyelids prior to coming in. Uh, and then when you are actually in the theatre, uh, part of our preparation is that we do a thorough clean of the eyelids and face with a betadine solution mm -hmm. um, just to kill any bacteria that might be living on the skin. Yeah. Okay. And what about post-care? So you've just left the hospital after your 20 minutes or, say, 30 minutes. Yeah. Um, what happens then? I've seen people walk out with these big sort of covers over their eye. Yeah. Um, is that still a thing or...? Not really. Um, very rarely do I use iPads nowadays. Um, it depends on the surgery. Uh, sometimes if it's just the one eyelid and if it's in uh, one of the eyelid malpositions, I will pad the eye, but the pad usually only stays on for one night and then the patients take it off themselves at home the next That's morning. Right. Same with um, cataracts? Or? With cataracts, it's pretty easy, even easier. Um, the patients go home with just a simple plastic shield over the eye, so it's just like a little cover, um, and that usually just stays on the first night and then we get people to put it on every night for the first week, and that's just to protect the eye while you're sleeping. Okay, and how is it to sleep with? Are they fairly comfortable nowadays? Or? Yeah, I don't get too many complaints. I think some people are quite glad when the week is up to not have to wear it, but uh, I think it's not a very onerous thing to do for that week generally. And is that because, why is it? Is it to stop um, bacteria getting no, in? No, no. It's more just to physically protect it. So if you, you know, happen to roll onto your stomach or your side, it's, it's just so that there's no extra pressure mm -hmm. placed on the eye. Um, the thing with cataract surgery is that all the wounds that we make are micro incision wounds. Um, so they're literally a couple of millimetres long, but we don't use any stitches these days. Mm -hmm. So the wounds take a little bit of time to gain some tensile strength. So we just like to fit people to avoid anything that might put a bit of extra pressure on the eye in that first week. What else would you have to consider? Could you go back to when would you go back to work yeah. and you know, having a shower and yeah. all those other things that yeah. you'd have to guide clients yes, with exactly. them when they come and see you. Sure. So post-op cataract surgery, um, we do provide a set of instructions and they we usually like people to take care when showering. Um, so we usually advise that they wash uh, with their sort of 
neck extenders so that the water runs backwards um, sort of down down the back of their head rather than over their face. Uh, it's just to avoid getting any dirty water in the eye in the first week. Um, after that week, uh, everyone can go back to showering as normal. In terms of wearing eye makeup, I usually ask people to avoid that for two weeks. Uh, same with swimming, so uh, two weeks. The other thing again, just because we don't put any stitches in the wounds these days, is uh, we get people to avoid bending over and lifting heavy objects for the first week as well, mm -hmm. generally, just just not to put any extra pressure on the eye. I usually advise my patients not to do any strenuous physical activity for two weeks, and that applies to both cataract surgery and to the eyelid surgery. What about using face creams and, yeah. you know, when can women might want to you know, especially for some women, they wear makeup every day. So yeah. to not wear makeup, it's like, are you serious? Yes. <laughs> so when can you start yeah. doing life as per normal, as per normal. routine? Yeah. Um, look, um, wearing makeup is fine. It's just more wearing any eye makeup. So uh, anything around the suture line, I like people to avoid. Um, I usually send people home with some chloramphenicol ointment uh, and the instructions are that that gets used twice a day for the first week or so. Um, when that finishes, then you can go back to using um, sort of more routine creams and that sort of thing. Um, I usually see people uh, a week after the surgery to remove their sutures. And depending on how the suture line looks, most people can go back to their daily sort of skincare routine. Um, there's a couple of products that can aid scar healing that some people like to use after the surgery as well. So that, that's also an option. Okay. Yeah. Um, and what creams would they be? Would they be things that they can buy from the chemist? Or? Yes, that's right. Yeah. So there's a silicon-based cream called Dermascar, which some people like to get. And, um, yeah, some people get quite nice results with that. I think in general, though, the wound is going to heal how it's going to heal. Um, and there's not a lot that you need to do to modify it. And the wounds in the eyelids generally tend to heal very well just by the nature of the skin on the eyelids mm -hmm. and is there anything particularly they absolutely should not do so you've talked about not exercising for a few weeks um you know not swimming are there other things that really could be detrimental to how the eyes heal how they heal um not really um it, it's just those small things um again after eyelid surgery people go home with a set of instructions and the main things for the first week are ice packs um so we advise using an ice pack every 15 sorry every a couple of hours for about 15 minutes at a time so it's a good idea prior to uh having your eyelid surgery to make sure that you've got all those items at home so that includes the ice packs um generally eyelid surgery is not a painful surgery but uh, it's advisable just to have some simple analgesia at home just in case but uh, i find that most of my eyelid surgery patients don't end up needing any analgesia. Uh, the other thing just um, to bear in mind with the eyelid surgery is that most patients will experience a degree of bruising and swelling post-surgery and um, that really varies depending on the type of surgery that you're having, um, whether they're taking any anticoagulant or blood thinner medications and uh, again just depending on the individual. So that's really the main consideration is that uh, if you're working you know in a face-to-face -face job or um, in a public sort of sphere that you might want to take a little bit of time off 
um, from work and those sorts of duties after your eyelid surgery. How long would it be that you would see a difference? Yeah, so um, in in some cases, people have told me that they've noticed a difference as soon as they were being wheeled out of the operating theatre. So in a lot of cases, um, especially for the upper lid surgery where you're dealing with heavy or droopy upper eyelids uh, and you're removing a lot of the bulky soft tissue and in some cases actually elevating the position of the eyelid, some patients have actually said that they've noticed it straight away, which I always find quite incredible Um, because the aim of doing this sort of surgery in most cases is to address uh, a reduced visual field uh, caused by hooding of upper eyelids. And is that quite common? It's actually a lot more common than you'd think. Yeah, very common. Um, it's It tends to run in families. So a lot of people come in and say that um, one of their relatives, their mother, father or aunt has had this type of surgery. And uh, yeah, it really does tend to uh, run in families. You do tend to inherit your eye shape from your parents. And do is it? Do you find people think, oh, I didn't even know it was possible to have surgery? Yes, yeah, definitely. Um, yes, and I think, again, a lot of people are a bit reluctant because it is eye surgery and surgery around the eyes, which are so precious. But, yeah, generally eyelid surgery um, for those sorts of conditions works really well. And, the again, uh, I do like doing it just because the results are generally really good and um, the patient satisfaction levels are generally pretty high. Okay. And is it because sometimes people might not even realise, oh, it's eye surgery, I don't need cosmetic surgery, I actually need to see an ophthalmologist? Yeah, that's that's right. So generally um, a lot of people do say, you know, I'm not coming to you for a cosmetic reason, which is absolutely right. Um, In a lot of cases, this is a functional problem. Um, And generally, I think the benefits and the quality of life afterwards from removing heavy tissue around the eyelids uh, is is great. Because what are they living with every day? Is it so it's reduced vision? But what other things would be happening for them? That's right. So it's usually reduced vision of the suprotemporal visual field, so your upper outer visual field, and also heaviness. So that's the other big thing people complain of is the heaviness. Mm. And so a lot of people feel a lot more awake and refreshed um, after uh, this type of surgery. And would they be saying that to say if they're going and seeing their op- uh, you know optometrist, would they be saying to their optometrist, oh, this is how I'm feeling? Yeah. And is it something that sometimes optometrists would refer them to go and maybe yeah. see an ophthalmologist, someone like yourself? That's right, yeah. So we do, for that sort of thing, get a lot of referrals from the optometrists um, who often notice these sorts of things, obviously, when they're trying to do scans of people's eyes and look in people's eyes, um, but also GPs as well. So, yeah, okay. we do get quite a few re- referrals. And would they be GPs. with that heaviness? Is it sort of like would client would patients be saying, "Oh, it's does it make them feel more tired?" Yeah, absolutely. So that's probably one of the biggest complaints is that people feel more tired. And then in the cases where people didn't pers- sort of specifically complain about that to start with, after the surgery, people have said that they've noticed that they feel a lot less tired and they didn't realise wow. um, before what they were living with. How, how long would that procedure take? About 20 minutes yeah. as well or no, longer? No, it's a longer procedure. Um, but again, it's all done under a local anaesthetic with a twilight sedation. Um, so most people are actually a little more sleepy with this type of surgery than they are with the cataract surgery. So again, um, it's it's not an onerous surgery to go through, but it usually takes an hour to an hour and a half, depending on what needs to be done, which is quite quite specific to the individual but then when you think it's an 
hour, hour and a half and maybe two weeks to recover, mm. but they might have been tolerating that for years. Yeah, that's that's right. That's right, yeah. But, um, yeah, generally, again, it's one of those things that um, people do tend to notice the results pretty, pretty immediately. And how generally is it about one or two weeks that people might take off yeah, work? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I usually advise it's one to two weeks. So in most cases, by the time people come back a week after their surgery to have the sutures taken out, a lot of the bruising by that time has settled and sometimes there's just a little bit of residual swelling. But usually by two weeks, um, that's mostly gone. And what about driving? Yes, that's a good question. So um, in general, with the eyelid surgery, even though it doesn't affect the vision, um, but because the eyelids are a little bit swollen, I usually advise uh, not driving for a couple of days after the surgery uh, until they're sort of feeling um, that the vision is completely back to normal. And the other thing that can blur the vision a little bit is the chloramphenicol ointment uh, that does tend to find its way into the eye and it does cause a bit of temporary blurred vision, um, which can often be cleared by frequent blinking. Mm -hmm. um, with the cataract surgery, it's a different story. The official rule is actually two weeks um, for not driving. However, in practice, uh, in the vast majority of cases, uh, it's, it's quite a bit sooner than this. Uh, and again, it just depends on how the surgery has gone uh, and also the refractive error, pre-existing refractive error, and that is the long or short-sightedness of the eye prior to the cataract surgery. Uh, sometimes if people are highly long-sighted or short-sighted, uh, in between cataract surgeries, because we usually do them one at a time, they might experience a degree of not feeling quite balanced. So um, driving should be avoided during that time if that's the case. And how long before, I mean, this is very general, um, approximately would someone see a difference, you know, that perhaps yeah. with cataract surgery or eyelid surgery? Straight away. Really? Straight away, yeah. It, it's quite, uh, quite impressive. So, um, a lot of the time people can notice a difference the very next day. So I tend to see my post-op cataract patients at day one and a lot of them come in and, and notice how much clearer things are. Um, the only thing, the vision can be a little bit misty still for a few days and it depends if there's quite a dense cataract. Um, you often will get a little bit of swelling of the cornea or the front sort of lens of the eye, um, which might cause a bit of mistiness, which tends to clear after a few days. But, um, yeah, it, it's quite, it can be quite dramatic, actually, wow. the difference that people notice. And do you notice that then because it's so dramatic, some people go, oh, great, I can take off my... Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. So it, it's quite interesting seeing patients that you've known for a little while um, that coming with their glasses all the time and uh yeah after their cataract surgery it's um it's a different look for them wow. coming in without their glasses on so that that is an added benefit of cataract surgery is um that if you have been dependent on your spectacles for a long time that uh in in quite a few cases that uh yeah you might not need them anymore or, or might not need spectacles of the previous strength that you needed so yeah. look i think um it depends on the degree of cataract there so if you're operating on an early cataract some people might not actually notice the benefits of that so I think it's I think it's best if the patients actually do have a visually significant cataract that is causing some visual symptoms um, and those patients gain the greatest benefit yeah so they will notice the difference 
I can't believe they notice pretty much straight away. That's yeah, amazing, isn't yeah, it? It makes it, it really so is. worthwhile. Oh, it does, yeah. No, it, it can be, the effects can be really incredible. Mm. Um, but again, it really does depend on the nature of the cataract. So those with a more advanced cataract, um, the, they will take a little bit longer to, to clear, but it's usually only a matter of days. And are there any symptoms post-surgery that sometimes people wait too long to see this? The, the surgeon or, you know, anything that they should be aware of that if this changes yeah. to how they're feeling or the eye, yeah. that they really should reach out to their specialist. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, all of the patients after surgery will have my telephone number so that if there are any um, emergencies, then, yeah, we do encourage them to contact us straight away. Um, in general, the eyelid surgery, the the serious complications and risks are actually very remote. So it's, right. it's generally a very safe surgery. But uh, we do tend to advise people that if the eye becomes more painful or if the vision uh, decreases over those few days after surgery, that um, they should uh, seek help immediately. Okay. Yeah. And just in general, I mean, we're in summer. How can we all look after our eye health more? Do you, I mean, yeah. if you could, I'm sure ophthalmologists who care greatly about the eye, yeah. um, what's some proactive things that we could yeah. all do to look after our eyes? Oh, I think the main things are um, protecting your eyes from the sun. So a, a good pair of sunglasses with proper UV protection is always a good idea. Uh, and the other thing, well, the other probably most common burden um in our community is dry eye symptoms. We do live in a pretty dry climate um, and I think especially when we're spending a lot of time in offices with air conditioning and that these days, that the surface of the eye does dry out and this can lead to irritation uh, and pain and in some cases it can lead to a watery eye. So sometimes sorting out your dry eye by using regular moisturising drops uh, will help with a watery eye sort of symptoms. And are those things you can get over the counter without a yeah, script? Or? Yeah, absolutely. So there's some really good brands over over the counter, I usually tend to recommend brands like Hilo Fort, um, Sustain, Optive, Refresh. They're all pretty good. And is that just symptomatic? So if you're feeling dry or can you be a bit proactive with it? Or yeah, what? yeah. Do you wait until you're feeling dry? Yeah, so this is the thing. So I think some people don't feel very dry, um, even though they do have some signs of mild to moderate dry eye. So I think using regular moisturising drops uh, is not a bad idea. Um, especially in our climate. I think probably the biggest thing is that um, eye surgery has, I, I guess, certain connotations. The eye is probably, arguably, the most important organ of the body. And um, so I think when people are thinking about having surgery on their eyes, it raises a lot of anxiety. And I think that's completely understandable. So I guess I spend quite a lot of my time trying to reassure people um, that Eyelid surgery in the grand scheme of things as a surgery is actually not a very big or onerous thing to go through nowadays. Um, we, we're very lucky to live in this day and age where we have access to great technology um, and great experienced surgeons, I guess, um, in performing these surgeries nowadays. So it's really definitely something to consider uh, and not to be overly worried and anxious about. Um, and I often find that with cataract surgery, people coming in for their first surgery are often very anxious um, until 
you know, the anaesthetist sees them and, and I see them and then they start getting their um, twilight sedation. Um, but when they come around for the second eye, you can see that they're much more confident uh, having had the experience and knowing what to expect and, you know, knowing that it's actually not as big de- a big a deal as you sort of make it out in your own mind to be. Yeah. yeah. But it, it's generally, um, I feel very fortunate to be able to do this type of surgery because the benefits are generally really great. Oh, and it sounds like great outcomes too, generally. Yeah. It's mostly quite low risk. And that's, that's right, yeah. I think in the grand scheme of things, again, um, the risks in eye surgery are very remote compared to a lot of other surgeries out there. So, yeah. yeah. And if in doubt, come and have a consult and try and relieve. Yeah. Maybe get a little bit right. of speaking to someone that knows what they're talking yeah, about, especially. Absolutely. So, yeah. relieve some of their anxiety might be a Definitely. good way forward. Yeah. And I think um, another take home message is that if you do have any fears or questions, don't be afraid to ask them because. Um, most of us are more than happy to answer those questions and try and sort of give you a realistic expectation of, um, yeah, what, what's about to happen with the eyelids and the cataract surgery. Fantastic. Well, thank you for your time today. Thank you. A big thank you to Dr McVee for sharing her knowledge with us today on Meditalk. And to learn more about Dr McVee, visit sjog.org.au. If you feel this podcast episode can help a friend or a family member, Please share, as sharing knowledge empowers our lives and the lives of others. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please take a minute to write a quick review on Apple Podcasts. To listen to more episodes of Meditalk, visit meditalk.com.au and if you have any medical conditions you would like to learn more about, please send me an email via danae at meditalk.com.au. Stay well and thank you for listening.